All righties. Um, just checking my little note sheet here. I don't think I had anything else I wanted to share with you this morning. No, that's it. All righties. Let's, uh, let's take a little bit of time to um, open up the scriptures and spend some time in them. Um, before we dive in there, I want to say thanks for your prayers. Last weekend I was in Western Australia spending time with Vineyard family all over sort of the Perth and south of Perth and uh, it was a wonderful series of um, non-stop conversations that I was a part of and um, and we saw God do in some really wonderful, generous works of his Holy Spirit while we were there as he was encouraging our vineyard family in Western Australia. So thanks for praying. We sincerely love the fact that you guys pray for us when we're on assignment all around the country. Um, this morning... Uh, I, I, I think that was just a fantastic illustration. <laughs> well, there's been two living illustrations that have happened this morning that I think is on God's heart. The first is, as Michelle led us this morning in worship, she led us to this point of going, hey, God, here's, our, here's my heart, Lord. Here's my heart, Lord. Uh, that's one aspect of what I want to touch on this morning. The other is exactly what... Uh, happened there with um, Abby and the Mercy Centre team as they were partnering with God's heart for um, for Jenny. And um, and it was interesting, you know, because uh, I want to talk about how they they the team allowed their hearts to carry something of the Father's heart, and then to see it through. Sometimes it's it's not. Uh, an easy journey is it to to sense like you've heard something from God that He's put into your heart, and then you have to carry it with Him, and you partner with Him. You you through seasons of um, incredible f- um, flourishing and in seasons of barrenness and everything in between. There's this thing that God's placed in your heart that you carry, and. Um, you see, sometimes we've had we have the joy of seeing a sense of that being outworked, like we saw in that story this morning, and the joy that it brings. And then there's these parts of our heart that continues to carry this sense of, Lord, um, you've you've placed this in my heart to carry with you and for you. Uh, like, are you even going to answer that thing that you've placed there? Or will my eyes see the goodness of that or not? Or do you just want me to carry it? And so sometimes there's those long seasons of like, it feels like delay. But you, this thing that carries in your heart, it's still keen. It's still as, as weighty and, and as rich as ever. I mean, um, just give me a hands up, like, who's ever felt like God's dropped something in their heart, like a vision that, hey, I'm, I want to do this with, let's, let's personalise it, with your life. Just pop your hand up if you've ever had God say something to you. Like, okay. And, and it's, it's landed in there and, you, and you're trying to steward it. And if I had the time and we interviewed every one of those hands that went up and down just then, it'd be like there'd be degrees of fulfilment and degrees of waiting that are at play, and 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 everything in between. And so this morning, I we've we've been through this incredibly crazy season, and we're still 
we're still all as a as a world <laughs> walking out the implications of of coming out the other side of a health pandemic and all of the disruptions and interruptions and everything that it's brought to our lives and our families' lives and our economies and and even our life as the people of Jesus. And we're still coming out the back end of that, but all through that, though, even though things have fluctuated a lot, there's still been these things that God's placed in our hearts just to hold for him and steward for him. Not, and, and, and not necessarily make happen for him, but just to steward with him and hold hold this little bit of land or this little bit of territory or this little bit of hope that God's placed in our heart. And, um, and if there's one, I, I think Jesus said it clearly. If we could jump onto that next um, slide. Thanks, Jake. Um, Jesus just said these words and he said it right into a context of massive cultural anxiety and swing. And Jesus just speaks these, these words. And if you look up that whole section in Matthew's gospel there, at the very start, in, in, in many versions of the Bible, it'll say it's kind of got a bit of a title. And the title is, Do Not Worry. <laughs> so, and then Jesus goes on to explain the context of what worry looks like. And then he just drops this line right into the context of high anxiety and concern and worry. He just drops this one line. Well, he drops a few, but this one in particular, it grabs the the attention of anyone that's reading or listening because what Jesus is asking is, he's saying, here, I'm going to help you prioritise how to walk in a context of high anxiety and flux. I'm going to help you do that. Here it would be good if you did this. <laughs> if worry and concern and anxiety and flux is wearing on you and wearing you thin and the things that you've been asked by God to carry, you're beginning to um, uh, let go of and even give away and, and, and no longer steward because it's just too challenging. It's too... The context is really too tough to keep going and holding on to those promises of God. It's into that that Jesus drops this line. I'm going to help you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. What are we seeking first in a time of great anxiety or flux or change or frustration that many of us have been walking through and continue to walk through at this moment? And, and, and Jesus is saying, hey, seek first not peace, not the absence of, of anxiety, not the absence of distress, not the absence of challenge, not the absence of anything. He's saying, seek first the king himself. Don't go after the peace. Don't go after the absence of challenge. Don't go after the, go after the king himself. 
and his rule and reign. It all flows from him to, and, and is returning to him. And so Jesus says, if, if you want to help, if you want some help, order your life in such a way that you are of, in pursuit of intimate relationship with the king himself and his ways will flow from him. What are we, you know, a, a simple little way of doing a check on that one is what are we turning to when we're looking for help and answers or, or alleviation from pressure? What do we turn to? What do we turn to first? Is it alcohol? Is it another relationship? Is it a bit more economic security? What, what are we turning to when the moments are in flux? And if you can, if you can see those things that you're turning to, then you can, you, can, you can give them away to Jesus. And he can be the one that you turn to. Seek first the king. How many of us have held dreams and visions of what the Father has placed in our hearts for our own life, for the, for the life of our church, for the life of our community, the Pine Rivers region, the Moreton Bay region, for our country? Some of us have allowed for the school kids that we're teaching, that we're turning up for each day, For our children and our grandchildren. How many of us are carrying these things? So this morning I want to just, I want to take just a few minutes to give you a few little helps to keep on stewarding. Because I still think we've got quite a ways to go with all of the interruptions and the disruptions that um, all of this health pandemic stuff has brought to the world, to the community, to the body of Jesus, to people following the king, to marriages, to parenting, to schools, you name it, our workplaces. I want to give you a few encouragements to hold on to the things that the Father has placed in your heart. What am I meant to do with this that you're showing me, God? How long do I have to wait for this? When will this come to pass? And surely, um, surely this, um, you know, you've, maybe you've forgotten me in the process. For many of us, the journey of stewarding what the Father's given us has been a light process. And for others, it's an intense process. But there's a story in Luke's gospel, in Luke chapter 2, at the start of Luke's gospel, where there's a mention of these two people. And if, you've, if you do have your Bible there at Luke chapter 2, we see this is um, just after Jesus has been born. And, um, and there's the cultural moment where, as good Jewish um, people, they, you, you present your child to, to God or to the priest. And, um, and so they would do that by bringing a little bit of a, uh, an animal sacrifice and then they would dedicate the child to God in, with thanksgiving. 
It's a bit like what we do, except, you know, we dedicate children to the Lord. We don't do the sacrificing of animals and stuff, though, anymore. Thank the Lord for that. Um, I don't know how you do that. But anyway, uh, we, we do, it's kind of like from here that we get this, this um, practice of dedicating children to the Lord. And so um, Mary and Joseph, they bring baby Jesus to the temple for his dedication to the Lord. And um, picking up in verse 22, and I want you to listen to this, though, or read this with me, and I want you to think about the two characters that are mentioned here. One is Simeon and the one is Anna. They're both prophets of God. When the time came, verse 22, for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him, that is Jesus, to Jerusalem to be presented to the Lord, as it's written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout, and he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And so moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you've promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother um, marveled at what was being said about Jesus. And then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of the hearts of, uh, of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Now, there's a truckload of information in that one little passage of Scripture, but the bit I want you to grab a hold of is here's Simeon. The Holy Spirit has been on his life, and that's that's. A bit like us, where, Lord, fill us with your spirit. We want to be people of your spirit. And as a part of that being a people of the spirit, we see Simeon carries this longing and this waiting for the arrival of the king, the Messiah. And he stewarded that. And he he even had this sense of life purpose about that to the point where he was like, Now I have fulfilled my purpose. I have stewarded what you've asked me to steward, God. I have seen what you've asked me to see. My assignment has been fulfilled. An amazing sense of um, stewarding when the Holy Spirit puts something on your heart to steward. And he had to carry this prophetic word that he was going to then 
speak over about Jesus and his life and his ministry and even the impact of the life of Jesus would have on um, Mary's life as well, his mum's life. There was a prophetic work that went with it. And then let's just pick up this next little bit and let's, here's Anna, the prophet of God. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel from the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband for seven years after her marriage and then was widowed until she was 84. Now, I don't, text doesn't tell us how old she was when she got married, but my hunch is she was probably in her mid to late teens culturally. That would have been around about when you got married. Um, so maybe by the time she's in her early 20s, her husband dies. And so from 20 to 84, so that, what's that, 64 years, she's carried something. She's carried something. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, that's to Mary and Joseph, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. That is the coming of the Messiah. And When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee on their in. Uh, to their own town and the child grew and became strong and he was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him but just have a look at Anna there she is for 65 years day and night in the temple praying and fasting for the Messiah to come what an incredible assignment and she she did it she did it. Now, I am sure in the course of 65 years, I haven't lived that long. I've, I've only been here 52. And there's a lot of things in 52 years I've been like, no, I'm checking out. This is too difficult, too challenging. I'm giving up. I'm moving on. This woman, anointed by the Holy Spirit, for 65 years, probably went through many moments of that, of like, come on, God, when? And yet she stayed true to this stewarding of the thing that God had placed in her. What are we doing with the things that God has asked us to carry for him in the earth today? What are we doing with the things that he spoke to you when you and I were just children and we had a dream or we had someone whisper to us something that just clicked in our heart and we went, that's what I'm made for. This is why God has placed me here. What are we doing with the things where the prophets came to town and with all their gusto spoke over us the things of God's heart and it was met with a measure of the Spirit touching us in power? so that it would sink deep into us and not be easily uprooted. 
What are, we, what are we doing with that? Are we partnering? Are we stewarding? Are we still holding fast? I, I pray that by the grace of God, you know, that somehow by the grace of God and the power of the Spirit, even as he was on um, Simeon's life and on the life of Anna, that I might be able to be faithful to the things that Jesus has placed in my life to carry for him. You know, we often use that saying, going around the mountain one more time. You know, I've been around the mountain a few times. <laughs> it's like, no, I'm dropping it off here. I'm not carrying that anymore. And I'm going on my way. But funnily enough, in the kindness of God, he brings me back around the mountain again. Because there's something that he needs me and only I can do for him. There's things only you can do for God. Because you have been made by him. Ephesians 2.10 tells us you are his workmanship. You are his creative work. Created in him to do only what you have been created to do in him and for him. The world, the earth, our families our schools, our communities, our regions, our workplaces need us to steward why we've been made by God. Even when it feels like, no, I'm dropping it off at the mountain here, I'm going on my way. But in the kindness of God, he brings us back around the mountain again. Oh, I've been here before. Yes, (laughs) that's right. That's why the Lord keeps bringing me back here. Because I still need to learn. I still need to grow. He still needs me to squeeze that last little bit of juice out of the very assignment that he's spoken into our hearts. And then, and then there does come, like for Simeon and Anna, there there does come this sense of that assignment's done now. And there's a great sense of, being there. well, in Simeon's case, he's like, Lord, take me home. (laughs) <laughs> I'm ready to go home. doesn't say what happened there for Anna, but, but there was a sense of assignment done. You know, I, I hazard a guess that most of us in this room that love and follow Jesus have had a moment in our conversation with him of the day where we've let our hearts and our minds ponder with him, the day that we get to be with him. And we hear the words our heart has always longed to hear. Well done, good and faithful servant. I, I, I know that's deep in the, the heart of every follower of Jesus. We just we long to hear those words. And the promise of God is in the scriptures here, we will hear those words as we walk out what he's asked us to carry. That's waiting for you. So just want to encourage you, keep on carrying. I um, ripped off the off the shelf in my office this morning. I woke up and I was like, I went, went back to this folder and um, it's a great... It's a great story of, um, of, the, of this fellowship of believers following God and the journey of 
in particular was about purchasing this facility. And in it, there's just amazing amount of like um, people's comments and stories and the things that God put in their heart about what his sense of destiny and purpose is for the life of this fellowship, for this church. I mean, there's stuff in here. I mean, there's, there's children that have written stuff in here and put their name on it. You know, children that are, who are now, you know, grown adults and, and, and aren't running with Jesus and yet somehow there's something still of, the, of the, the purity of what they heard in that moment that God wants us to know is our purpose and our place. It's, a, it's an incredible, incredible testimony. But it was this, this story of what does it look like when a people steward something. In 2005, you know, we heard, Nicole and I, we heard the Lord say to us, he will give you the building. That was the phrase. That was it. Who is he? What building? When? Where? Where will the money come from? In 2006, 18 months later, God gives us a dream about an old H.R. Holden car. That was on Wednesday, the 26th of July, 2007. Oh, sorry, 2006. Wednesday, the 26th. On Thursday, the 27th of July, the landlord and the owner of the building calls us to say, I'm wanting to sell the building and I want you guys to have first go at it. Not even... 12 hours after we had the dream, where God met us in a dream. And as a church, we journeyed, we prayed, we worshipped, we brought our money, we signed contracts, and in the end of February 2008, the vineyard purchased this facility. You see, we carried together something that God gave us. I mean, we even got an old HR Holden car. If you were here in those days, we didn't have carpet and we had plastic chairs and furniture so we didn't have these comfy seats Um, and we drove an old HR Holden car smack in the middle of the room here and it just dripped oil and it was leaky and squeaky and rusty and all sorts of stuff and we we had it in front of us as a visual reminder of God's calling us into something here and people walked around it and they kicked the tires and they, you know, they'd lean against it and they'd we just we just spent this season hanging around this HR Holden car as we partnered together for something God wanted to do. And here we are, like many, many years down the track, as a result of the faithfulness of Jesus' people in, in that moment at that time. They stewarded it well. Timothy, Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy 1.18, he says, Timothy, I give you this instruction in keeping with the prophetic words once made about you, so that by following them you might fight the good fight, hold on to the faith and a good conscience. Some have rejected these prophecies and so have shipwrecked their lives. That's a bit of a confronting statement there. But the encouragement of Paul to a young king, a kingdom person in Timothy is that there will be a battle for us to walk in what the Father is asking us to carry. And there have been many before who have abandoned the journey and their lives have been shipwrecked. That is, the storm came against them, isolated them and took them out. 
So here's, here's three little encouragements that I'd like us to walk away with. Um, just the next slide, if I could, thanks, uh, Jake. Let's, as you're listening to these encouragement, two things. One is, individually, always remember that in being a follower of Jesus, you are a carrier of his hope, of his kingdom hope. And as a people, we are a preview community. In other words, the way that we do this thing called following Jesus together speaks of another reality of the kingdom of God into the earth. And it sees things transformed and changed. So the first thing, if we can go to the next slide, thanks, Jake. This comes from Habakkuk 2, and it's it's a great little it's a great little sense of um, very practical spiritual care for your life. If you have had a sense of God speaking something into you, write it down. Or if you're not one for pen and paper, video yourself. Or if you, I, I love it, I use the memo function on my phone all the time, my voice memos, and I record things all the time so that I can go back to them and listen to them and time and time and time and time again and review them and listen to them again. Um, Habakkuk 2 says, The Lord said to Habakkuk, Write down the revelation or the vision and make it plain on tablets so that you can run with it. Not so that you can stand there and stare at it, but that you can run with what God has said you're about because there are things for you and I to do. Just this last weekend when I was in Perth, I was meeting with this um, family and, and they were talking about how God seems to be, their family of five, uh, mum, dad, three kids, and they're, they're just talking about how um, God is basically horning them in. It's like his, his love's coming around them and he's narrowing, it's, it's like the, he's narrowing their options. <laughs> it's like he's calling to them and he's helping them realise it's him. Have you had those moments where it feels like God's horning you in? Well, this family's going through that at the moment and it was an incredible um, privilege to sit with them and help them kind of work that through with the Lord because it's big, it's got some massive implications for their whole life. Their whole life. Anyways, um, when I was with them, I said, guys, if I could, and I was with the children as well as the mum and dad and I said, I, I want to encourage all of you together as a family, if there's one thing you, you should be doing in this moment, is you should get out this long piece of butcher's paper, like a big roll of it, and you need, you need to crayon, draw, cut out, stick down, write words. You need to put pictures and words and understandings and feelings and thoughts and everything that you is rushing through you right now as God is envisioning you as a family. Because you are going to need this moment down the road to draw from. And so they've... they've They've set about doing that, which is really awesome. But write it down. 
Because, because what God does with us in a moment when he speaks into us, he's, it's not that we would become static and build an altar around the very thing that he's speaking into us. No, he's asking us to steward the inbreaking of his kingdom and we need to run with it. There's an outworking of it. We need to, but along the way, as Timothy was told by Paul, there's going to come a lot of push and contest for you and your life and the stewarding of what God's asked you to do. I mean, I don't have to tell you that. As soon as you say, yes, Lord, all of a sudden things get tough. Spiritual um, warfare kicks up a gear. Discouragement comes fast. People that you thought you're like, I'm doing life with, all of a sudden they're out the door. I mean, and it's just stuff happens. It's because it is a contest of the kingdom of God coming into the earth. And so I, I want to encourage you, uh, in this season, as, as we're coming through the tail end of all of the mess of the last few years, the Holy Spirit is going to breathe again on the very things the Father has always asked us to steward for him till he comes or till we get to go to be with him. He's going to breathe on them again. And it's really important that you know that you know that you know. And if you haven't written it down, if you haven't taken the time to, to scribe it, to paint it, to picture it, to put it down, the winds of time will come and the enemy of of anxiety and depression will come and he will dampen down and he will pad down and the enemy will seek to rob and kill and destroy the very things that give us purpose and life as a creation of God to steward for him in the earth that only we can do. You need to know this stuff. Go back, visit it again, and with the help of the Holy Spirit, write it down, articulate it, put it down. One of the things that we've done as a family for many, many years is in the hallway of our home is a little chalkboard on the wall. And then the, depending on the season of that we're going through as a family, God, God would give us like a little scripture that was important to us. And so we just write it in chalk on the, on the little chalkboard and it sort of sits in the hallway just as you come through our house and in the door of our house. Most people never even know it's there. And that's, it's not for them to know that. It's to remind us about who we are and what God's asked us to do as his kids. And we need that daily help coming in and out of the door to remind us time and time again. Because that's why David said, you know, in, in Psalm, I think it's 103, forget not the Lord and all his benefits. The reason why the Lord had him write that down is because we do forget the Lord and all his benefits. We need it in front of us, day and night, night and day. You may need to be like Anna. You may need to form some spiritual practices. For her, it was daily and it meant I am getting up today and I am going to the temple and I am going to pray. All day, all night, there's my assignment. She had a practical outworking to the stewarding of what God had given her to do. Write it down, put it on your house, write it on your, put it on your screensaver, put it on your mirror when you're doing your teeth. Write down what it is God's asked you to do and visit it daily and daily run with it. 
Do whatever you can practically do to keep that vision in front of you. Hello? Write it down. That's why the scripture is very helpful about that. Let's uh, go to the next one if we could. Thanks, uh, Wayne. Just to the next slide there. Stay close. Paul uses this word in, when he says there to Timothy, back to Timothy, that little scripture that I read before. He says to Timothy, um, I give you this instruction in keeping with the prophetic utterances that were spoken about you so that by following them you might fight the good fight. That word um, is, is, is about, oh, sorry, I'm on the wrong one. It's about proximity, staying close to the Lord. Just getting a bit of a conversation going on up here, that's all. And I don't want to miss it. (laughs) There's things I need to hear. There's things we all need to hear. Stay close. Walk each moment with the Lord. We're not meant to do this thing on our own. We're meant to do it with him and with others. So if you're not if you're trying to steward the things that God's placed in our heart, if you're trying to elbow or arm or muscle it into reality, you'll exhaust yourself and end up disappointed because you're meant to do it with him, with him, with him. And, we, and it works itself out as we do it with him and with each other. You know, I had just had an amazing experience in WA Here I am busily working away over there, serving this other group of people over there and then all of a sudden there's just this beautiful um, moment happens uh, where this young young lady, uh, we're having this time of ministry and this young lady draws this picture and then she says, I think God wants to say this to us. And it was a picture of an old school telephone <laughs> with the, you know, the old curly cable off the bottom of it. And it was like, and then up, up in the corner was like this mouth, like trying to, and you could see it was like tr- belching out, like, is nobody listening to me? Is nobody listening to me? Can anyone hear me? 
And in the bottom of the picture, it's like the curly cord was... Um, all the cables were nearly all severed except for this, just this one little strand of a cable. And then I just said, you know what? I think this is the elephant in the room. Praise God, I think this is the elephant in the room. God wants you to know he hears you and you don't have to yell anymore. And it may even feel like you're nearly disconnected, but you're not. You're not. And then we invited the Holy Spirit to come. Wow. <laughs> it was so good of God. It was all about in the hard moments, don't feel like you have to yell louder to get God's attention. He's with you. He's with you. Stay close, proximity and conversation. Stay close to him, stay close to each other. And keep the conversation rolling. Lastly, I'm going to finish with this one. Fight the good fight. The next slide, thanks, Jake. Um, fight the good fight. That's, that's language that Paul uses there. That word fight is engage, contend, be strategic. That's all behind that word's fight. Um, as a kid, I read this book, and it was called Dam Busters. And it's a, it's a movie It's a black and white old school movie. But I read the book when I was a kid. And it was all about when the Allied forces um, were trying to strategically find a way to break these big dams that were holding back water in Germany to then flood these areas and, um, and, uh, and, and defeat a whole bunch of the... where there was a whole series of factories and everything that was making weaponry and so forth for the um, German forces. And so in the, mo- in the book and or the movie, um, there's this... Um, they're busy trying to invent how do you get an aeroplane to drop a bomb and hit a wall and with, with, with a great sense of target and effectiveness. And in the end, what they did was they developed this very, very crude technology where they were able to... It was called a bouncing bomb. And what they would do is they would fly in low under enemy fire and they would let go of this bomb and they designed it in such a way that it would bounce along the water and then into the wall. And at the time, it was like incredible technology. Incredible technology. And it won them that part of the war. It managed to break the wall. The dams broke and, and washed away all of the, um, uh, you know, the factories that were building weaponry against them. When it comes to stewarding the prophetic things, the things that God's placed in your heart, we need to fight smarter, not harder. We need to contend smarter, not harder. We need to engage with what God is doing. We need to engage with how Jesus is praying. You see, he lives to intercede. He's praying right now for you. Have you checked in with how he's praying? (laughs) We might partner with him. Engage with how he's doing this. Holding on, not necessarily with what we see at first, but by faith. Remembering that there's this great cloud of witnesses all around us who also lived this journey that we're living who have now gone on to be with the Lord, who all lived by faith. Fight smart. 
fight the good fight. Paul said that because there's a reason. It is a contest and you will be tested as much as we all will be. I have this little HR Holden car that someone gave me as a gift many years ago when we bought the building. It sits on my desk. Every day when I open up my Bible and I open up my, my laptops, there's that HR there. And with that HR, even though it's a little thing, comes all of this prophetic hope and destiny that the people of Jesus have said this place would be for. And I'm like, never let me lose sight of that, Lord. I need it every day. Carry the things that the Lord has asked you to carry for him in this season. The Holy Spirit is breathing once again upon them. Remembering, if we go to the final slide, thanks, Jake. You are a carrier of kingdom hope and we are a preview community of the kingdom of God on earth. You don't have to scream for God's attention. You got it. You're connected. Write it down. Stay close. Fight the good fight. I think we might finish where the worship led us. Um, this morning. The worship time, the worship team led us to that. Here's my heart, Lord, moment. You know, one of the things that actually hit me when Michelle, when we were singing that, was a memory. And the memory was someone who's very dear to me. And the last time they worshipped Jesus before walking away from him was he led Jesus' people in that song. I'm not saying that about you. I'm just saying I was reminded of just the sincerity of a moment like that where both the kingdom of God and the enemy of God's kingdom and his people are at work in a moment like that. And I ache for that. I ache for that, dear friend. That was the last time he picked up a guitar. That was the last time he sang publicly to Jesus. That, that was the last song. And then he turned and walked away. The battle is real. Fight the good fight. Steward well. I pray that the grace that was on Simeon and Anna would rest on us as well. That we would steward the kingdom of God, the Father's heart, where we live every day for his greater glory till his kingdom comes. Whether we get to see it or we get promoted first, that's, that's on the Lord. <laughs> but my heart is that we would see it. I want to pray for us this morning. For many of us in the room, it's like there's things God's spoken into our heart and we've, you know, it's been a challenge to come this far. 
I, want, I just want to pray for you this morning. The, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. So why don't we stand and pray? Why don't we stand and pray?